Triple HFM Sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants, HK Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Here's your host, the raging bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Anthony the Bull Caruso back with you for another cricket preview as we start the countdown towards the summer of cricket for 2021-22. You've heard our previews for the New South Wales Premier Cricket Competition. You've heard our preview for the New South Wales Women's Premier Cricket Competition. And now it is the turn of the Sydney Shires Cricket Competition. The competition has been around for many a year and we have seen it take a very critical role in terms of development and pathways for players making their way up the ladder towards that that coveted position within New South Wales Premier Cricket. We've also seen some of the very best in New South Wales Premier Cricket come back and play with the likes of the uh, the great local talent that we have seen in this competition throughout the years. I can't do this episode alone, and we've got plenty to talk about tonight. So we have two guests joining us here tonight. First off, joining us from the Sydney Cricket Association, he is the chairman of the Shires Cup um, subcommittee, he is also a life member of the Roseville District Cricket Club, John Viviano. Good evening to you. Yeah, thanks, Bull. Great to be here. Joining us as well is a favourite of ours here on Triple H Sport. He is part of the core crew at um, a live FM, a passionate rugby league supporter. He loves his cricket as well, and it's absolutely awesome to have him on Splinters here tonight. Dave McDonald, good evening to you. Thanks very much, Bull. No mention about me being a life member of my club. Oh, but we can't, we can't, we can't forget, forget Northwest Sydney Cricket Club, of course. Of, of course. No, no, great to be here and in, in, in such esteemed company as Mr. Biviano. It is an exciting time of year. We've seen plenty uh, happen in terms of the regular competitions, but John... You know, a little bit of a hint that, you know, it's been a little bit quieter due to COVID in terms of a lead up. And we are also le- leading in with clubs, you know, having a few challenges that we, we may discuss a little bit later on in terms of getting themselves prepared for this year. Yeah, that's right, Bull. Obviously, Sydney's been in lockdown now for, you know, four months. And, uh, you know, there hasn't been obviously a lot of uh, training going on by the by the playing group, but from an administration perspective, um, lots going on, and uh, we're really looking forward to uh, getting underway. Hopefully, sometime in uh, the middle of November. Indeed. Well, we've got thirteen teams to get through. A couple of uh, issues and challenges to talk about. All of them sort of more geared towards how you, the listener, can go out and support your local cricket club as well. With that. Umpires strike back and Hugh Jars are at their respective ends. It has just ticked over time and the first ball is about to be delivered. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. And we're going to kick things off here tonight with our first team in alphabetical order. It is the Auburn Eagles. And John, we're going to start off to you. This is a team that has been very strong in first grade over the last couple of years. They've lost a few players over the last few seasons, but they have maintained a certain level of competitiveness 
if not within that top three. Yeah, as a club, I think they're they're strong across uh, historically across the all grades actually, Bull. But uh, you know, last season they finished the prelim round, sitting at fourth, so they were there thereabouts. Um, you know, I haven't heard of any major recruitment. They are one of those clubs historically that have player high player movement coming and going um, during the off season. But I've got nothing you know, substantial to report. So I'd imagine that their playing core will be fairly uh, similar to last season. Indeed, um, Maka, we've seen this team have a fairly well-rounded, I guess, demeanour about itself. Very competitive, as Biff said, throughout the grades. This first grade team here, uh, they've lost the Jalil brothers, but there's still no lack of talent in this lineup with the likes of Tom Wood, Mark Bursa, Alex Daniels and Muhammad Ali. And uh, I can tell you, they they have picked up uh, Sean Cleesby from Northwest Sydney as well. Uh, so he has moved from the Hurricanes to Auburn. So that'll be, an, uh, again, another great addition to Auburn. Of course, Sean, very handy with the bat and ball, which just adds to, again, Auburn's all-round uh, ability. And I think they'll go well this year. This is one of the things we do have to take into in consideration, John, is that there is going to likely be a high number of one-day fixtures this year. So unlike the last couple of years, this is going to be very similar to last year where teams that have got particular strengths in playing one-day cricket, they're going to be quite competitive this year. How do you see that playing out with Auburn? Yeah, I think I think last season we saw you know clubs like um, Epping and Roseville um, sort of move up up the standing based on one-day cricket. And I think it does suit Auburn. Um, it really comes down to overall player availability. So while some clubs will be securing talent like Auburn has, as, as Macca pointed out with, uh, with Sean, it's whether those players are available for, you know, the 13, 13 prelim rounds. The pathway as well that they've got has been uh, fairly strong over the la- over the last few years as well. Macca, we've seen players, I guess, coming up through the Auburn ranks, which is quite deep and move- and eventually moving on to other clubs. In particular, their relationship is starting to build a little bit with Bankstown and, you know, the possibility of players changing between those two clubs could bear fruit for the future for the Eagles. No, well, one thing they have done very well over the last few years is work hard on their juniors. Uh, I know they, obviously, a number of years ago, they established their junior uh, division within Parramatta District Cricket Association, and then that has uh, begun to grow. And what they've started to see now is actual, actually players come through shires that have come through their junior ranks, um, which is something they didn't have before. So uh, I think that's, again, a real good move from them. And you're starting to see those kids come through in, in, in second grade and, and third grade at the moment, which you're going to see them come through to first, and that's going to, again, add to their strength long term. I've got this. I've got Auburn finishing in the sneaking themselves into the top four. Whether they can make that move into the top three remains to be seen. But I do expect them to at worst be in the finals. A prediction from both of you, gentlemen. I'm going to say they finish uh, fifth in the prelim rounds. Yeah, I, I I think I agree with you, John. I think they're going to be there and thereabouts, about fourth to sixth. So yeah, I mean, I'll average it out. Let's go fifth then. Again, they'll be there. We then move on to the Balmain South Sydney. Cricket club, tigers, rabbits, not still haven't quite worked out what they're going to be referring to themselves, the tiger rabbits maybe or something like Significant changes with them this year. Um, John, this is a team that you know, has built itself around the all brilliant all-rounded ability of Tamadol Islam 
And in the last couple of years, up to last year, had actually been finding themselves in the top six in first grade. Last year, a little bit of an aberration. Were they found out due to ill preparation or the fact that with the limitations placed in one-day cricket that they had to find other players to play around Islam? Yeah, the latter. I think, uh, you know, one-day cricket restricts uh, the all-round ability of a guy like Islam. So he can only bowl the maximum of 10 overs. So, you know, one guy cannot carry a team in, in the one-day format. You you need, you know, at least four quality bowlers make up that fifth bowler if possible. So, yeah, I think that's where they fell away last year and only only finished with, uh, with the one victory. Um, so, yeah, it, I, I'm predicting similar result again this season. Unless, you know, there's been some significant recruitment going on, which I'm not aware of. And this and one of the big issues, Macca, that this club has had over the last couple of years is of course the history that they had back in the two thousands, the way that they were very aggressively recruited players, those days well and truly gone, and they've attempted to rely on the juniors that come up from the um Balmain inner city club before the joint venture. And that really hasn't produced much in terms of talent so far. No, not so far. I can certainly uh, clearly remember the uh, initial days of South East Sydney. And uh, I can certainly remember playing a, a one-day match against them at Borkham Hills, which included calibers of Randall Green, uh, again, Michael Chiqui. Kyle, Kyle um, Thompson had been the, the Benno Player of the Year the year before, and he's playing opening the bowling for South Sydney the next year. Yeah, I think that... that um, that strategy long-term is not going to help a club whatsoever. Uh, and I think maybe that they are seeing the, the long-term effects of that uh, now. Um, and again, it's again jun- developing juniors isn't an overnight process. It's a, it's a 10 to 15-year process. So I think they've still got some work to go. But again, they can't just focus around the one player, uh, as, as Biv said. Again, they, he needs assistance, particularly in the one-day game where he's going to be restricted. Uh, in, in the amount of um, work he can do. So it's going to be a tough year, I think, for them. The one thing, Biv, that I do know with um, Balmain South Sydney, and it's and it is in very much to their credit, is that they have uh, re-established themselves, at least on a financial basis. They do appear to be quite stable now in, in that regard, and it's a club that does have the potential to rebuild itself. But you know, the question then comes about how long will this process take for them? Oh, it's credit to them. You know, a couple of years ago, um, it, it was obvious for all to see that, uh, you know, off the field, um, they were being, they were challenged and, and that was reflected with their on-field results. And I think for all clubs, Shires, Premier Clubs, Women's Premier Clubs, you know, you need to get that off-field administration right. And, and once you've foundationally got the strength there, it's amazing that the on-field results um, come. But they are in a good financial position. They've got some great third-party sponsors. Um, From an administration perspective now, the way they've structured that um, is really solid. So, again, um, they may surprise, but, uh, you know, I I expect them to probably be in the the bottom three or four teams this year. Yeah, and that's where I've got them as well, in terms of the bottom four for... For first grade, Mackie, your prediction and thoughts? Yeah, similar as well, gents. Uh, again, great news though from from Biv that they they're um, going well off the field. But again, I think on the field it's going to take a little bit further to rebuild. So yeah, I agree with both of you. Let's move on to really one of the lighthouse clubs in the competition, the Burwood Briars. 
coming off yet another club championship, another first grade premiership, um, an amazing lineup of players in this team, Viv. The likes of Ryan Corns, Nick Govers, Brenton Wright, Thomas Burns, very strong core lineup. And all in all hints are pointing that it's going to be a business as usual for the men from Concord. Ah, oh, yeah, they get the job done. Uh, the envy of uh, most other Shires clubs when it, we were just talking about administration off the field and uh, ultra competitive on the field. And, uh, you know, most Shires clubs look at them as the benchmark and, and where they'd like to be at. And I expect them to be uh, there, thereabouts again this season, not only in first grade, but also across the grades. Indeed, it's such as the strength, Macca, that they, they had their top four grades make the um, make the finals, two of them reaching the grand final. Their Frank Gray Shield squad, which we haven't mentioned a lot of yet, uh, they made the qualifying final as well. There's no lack of talent in going right through the grades here. And certainly they were involved in two grand finals. They were absolute nail biters. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's almost like um, the never-ending story, isn't it? And Bur- with Burwood Briars, but uh, I totally agree with John. They are the benchmark, and and the club that I, I know my club looks at at the moment, along with one or two others, that um, you know we look at how are they doing, what they're doing. Um, they've got a great club culture. They've got a great network off the field, but again, uh, you know they they get fifty, sixty, seventy guys to training. Um, each week, once a week, and they and players want to be there. Um, so you know, they, they can they will continue to succeed this year. But one point I need to make, gents, is they're not going to have the the luxury of out ten point outright wins this year um, for them to shoot away in the club championship so quickly. So that and, and I mean that with all due respect, it might just make the club championship a little bit more interesting because they won't shoot off to as far a lead. But again, I suspect that. Again, with the quality of players I've got, they'll be up there, and I'm actually going to tip them to, to come in first this year. Tipping them to come in first. Um, Biv, do you see them going back-to-back? I see them finishing the prelim season in the top two, but I don't think they're going to win it this year. You think it? The, um, the, other, the other, I guess the other thing that carried them through last year as well, we should make mention of it, a very sad, the very sad passing of their their life member and club legend within the, and indeed competition legend in Gerard Price, um, passing away last last year, and indeed it was a um, a very bittersweet first grade and club championship for the club. One, of course, in memoria of the of the legend. Yeah, Jared, absolute legend. He he was the heart and soul of the club. Um, you wonder sometimes whether the moons align and the planets align, and and uh, they I won't say they came from nowhere to to win that um, first grade premiership last year, but you know, it was probably anyone in the in the top five last year going into the qualifying finals and semi-finals could have uh, probably taken that out and uh, it landed in their favour. So uh, divine intervention from Jared, perhaps, but uh, you know, congratulations again to to BJ Wright and the and the team getting the job done, owning the big moments. So um, you know, yeah, Jared uh, will be missed, but I know others have stepped up uh, to try and fill that vault um, void. Um, in from an administration and off-field perspective. We then move on to the team that met them in the grand final last year. It was the Epping Bulls. They finished a brilliant first in the in the competition, sort of out of nowhere here. But Maka, uh, this is a lineup that 
I think two things came to mind first off is that they did take full advantage of a couple of uh, one or two players coming over from the um, the collapse of Macquarie University, but also the one-day format suited them to a T. Oh, it certainly did, uh, Bull. You're not wrong there. Without doubt, for mine, the surprise packets of uh, 2020-21, uh, they were constant. Again, they started well, and we thought, hang on a minute, here's a, a bit of a showing from the Bulls, but they remained consistent throughout the season. Nine wins out of, out of 12 last year. You've got to give them full credit. Again, uh, young fast bowler McCarthy, I think he had a good season. Listen, I think they're going to be up there again. Um, I think that by the sounds of it, they've had, uh, again, the culture's really good at Epping at the moment. There's a really good vibe up there. And again, the success of the first grade team has, uh, by the sounds of it, has sort of filtered through the club. So uh, my understanding is there's been not too many losses there. And I would expect that Epping, you'd think, would sort of back up their performance from 2021 and will make the top four again, in my view. And this is something we see from time to time, Viv, is that, you know, when you when a club has one very solid season like Epping has, you know, it, it could it seems to signal the start that they've um they've developed something, they've got a formula and it's gonna be coming through. One player for mine is one of those players that came across from Macquarie University last season in Herman Shoe Ward, and he ended up playing a very critical role for the for the team. Yeah, he did. Uh, I just want to echo a little bit of what Macca said around um, around Epping. You know, the one-day format absolutely helped them. Um, their under-24 Frank Gray team was actually also the runner-up in that competition. So I think they've even got the youth coming through to support um, them having another good season in that format. Player roster um, staying pretty pretty uh, pretty similar to what it was. So yeah, we expect the same names to be taking the wickets and scoring the runs. The the challenge is going to be, I guess, sort of building up in the lower grades themselves as well. And I just, I, I the only question I do have, um, their teams in the lower grades have um, sort of positioned themselves in a way that they're going to be able to. You know, build on it. There were a lot of, um, quite a few minor placings, but it's just pushing through. However, Biv, as you said, their Frank Gray Shield team for the last couple of years, they're very strong, mm. and you get the feeling that's going to be the nucleus for the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely, particularly around that one-day format with a high percentage of uh, one-day cricket to be played this season. Um, they they're obviously very capable at that format. The young younger members of their playing squad. So that will filter through and hold some in good stead should unavailabilities or injury come into play. I get a prediction from um, both of you gentlemen. Um, where do you think this competition will end? Where do you think Epping will end up this year? I think after the prelim rounds, I think uh, they'll be probably in the top two or three. And uh, I think uh, they probably think last season in first grade, it was the one that got away. So they'll be hungry for hungry to for success. Maka, your prediction as well? Oh, again, I think um, they'll be up there again this year. Again, the momentum from last year, I think they will, they will continue. I think, again, top four for me. Top four again there. We then move on to the Georges River, two blues, and a team that has, I think, for mine, has become one of the, on average age, really one of the youngest in the in the competition in terms of the average age of the players. They built up a very strong club over the last in about three four years ago, 
But we've now seen almost a play drain at the top with players just disappearing altogether and really not being replaced, Biv. Yeah, one of those clubs, again, that was very strong in the in the uh, Frank Gray competition for a number of years and won, uh, I think, won two of three premierships in um, the prior sort of four seasons. Um, yeah, they, they, they just used the sort of same nucleus of players year in, year out and... Um, you know they, you know they were ultra competitive. They were in the hunt last season to to sneak into the um, into the qualifying finals with a round or two to go. So I assume they'll be there thereabouts again this season. Maka, it it is has been the very the same lineup coming through year on year. Their batting remains quite strong. The likes of Ben Vella, Ben Saunders, Jared Mazukowitz, and Ryan Kroom. Uh, but they're bowling just lacking a little in a bit of penetration. No, you, you, you're dead right there, Bull. You know, if we look at um, their stats last year, their, their top bowler, Daniel Yates, now 136 over. So he's done a, a quite a, a big part of the load. Uh, I agree with you. Again, uh, they're probably, the, the batting is definitely their strength. Uh, bowling is probably going to let them down. But again, with the one-day format this year, will that be, um, I suppose, less of an issue uh, with 50-over matches? Well, my, my issue is is that you know, while their batting has been very good, Biv, I just, my, the, the challenge you have is making sure the bowling can do enough to defend what can be pretty big totals against George's River. Yeah. And unfortunately, last year, they just didn't do it. Well, when your top bowler's taken 19 wickets, if you, you know, we're just talking about Epping um, previous to that, I think you'll find that they had four bowlers who took more than 19 wickets in the season. So, you know, that that's what you're sort of comparing them to. Um, and, and you know, that that's a team that finished after the prelim rounds first in Epping. And made it to the grand final, and Georges River missing out on the on the top six last year. So you you spot on bull. Um, you know you need to need to probably penetrate a little bit more with the ball, otherwise you're chasing big totals in the one day format. I've got this team sitting around the middle five. They're a chance of making the finals. Uh, I, I just wonder if they're still a bowler short at this stage, but who knows? They might have someone up their sleeve. I agree with you. I I, I think they'll miss out. Um, yet again this season, falling just short, probably finishing around sort of eighth or ninth. And I'm going to also have to agree. I think they're going to finish in a in a similar position. They'll certainly get a few wins on the board, but not enough to get them into the finals. Before we take our break here, gentlemen, I do want to bring up one one challenge that we we sort of mentioned at the top of the show, and something worthwhile going into greater depth. And it is sort of how clubs have been trying to operate themselves throughout this this COVID situation. We do know that you know a lot of these clubs uh, run on a fairly shoestring budget. They have a lot of responsibility with bringing up the, these players as well. And, and certainly, we are speaking here with two very esteemed individuals when it comes to running running a club itself. These are unprecedented times for these clubs. You know, not only your business is hurting financially, but we've also seen clubs hurting financially. How how can businesses, you know, help and clubs help each other to be able to get them through this this COVID um, pandemic and make sure that they come out of the other side? Well, in my opinion, Bull, you know, one thing the pandemic has um, taught us all is uh, sense of community um, and and that we are in it together. So. You know, there is a reliance from from clubs to um, have third-party sort of partnerships and third-party sponsorships in play. 
I think what we're, we are seeing, however, the um, clubs that have had long-term relationships with their, you know, premier sponsors or gold sponsors, a lot of those have been maintained. And, and that's fantastic. Uh, the concern going into last season was the unknown that COVID would have financially on a lot of clubs. It was great that clubs were in uh, fairly solid financial positions to be able to get through that. And it was probably a warning for all of us that we needed to have some security um, in place um, if we were to find ourselves in a similar situation. And, and we are finding ourselves in that um, situation. From all reports, speaking to many clubs, um, you know, the financial viability of the clubs isn't of concern. The bigger question is um, more around what impact the pandemic will have on playing numbers, uh, particularly across, um, you know, the four to five grades um, with many, many players working in hospitality, having been locked down now for, you know, over 100 days, many people are looking to potentially get out of Sydney. So I think the bigger concern will be more around the playing numbers and clubs being responsible when it comes to um, how much they, they charge in terms of registration and playing fees, etc. But Mac, all you... in all, I think financially at the moment, all clubs are reporting that they're in a fairly uh, fairly solid position. Maka, your thoughts before we go to our break? Yeah, no, excellent. Um, that's really well said, John. Uh, again, this is really, I think, armed all clubs to have to be prepared for the unexpected. I mean, we uh, don't want to reiterate it. It is un unprecedented times. We've never been through this. But I think one benefit was that we got most of a season in last year. I think that's helped the cricket clubs. Um, I can tell you, and I totally agree with John's statement about long-term sponsorship. My club uh, certainly has retained... Uh, we've had a, the, our major sponsors for over 10 years now, and I know a lot of the clubs have got the same similar support, so that's been vital. But again, uh, I know that clubs have been talking to each other about how they're travelling and you know what they're doing. Um, again, it's all about the community. So um, again, I'm pretty confident that um, most clubs are going to be ready to go. All right, and with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take our break, and when we come back, we'll have part two of the 2021-22 Sydney Shires Cricket Preview. You are listening to Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Of course, we do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Karingai Post, the Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports. We'll be right back. It's time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Bowling is back in Hornsby. The Attic offers a 10-pin bowling experience like no other with Australia's first ever augmented reality scoring experience that will take your game to a whole new level. 
With a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, the Attic Entertainment Precinct is complete with a bar and lounge area to keep you entertained for hours. Specialising in kids' parties and celebrations, the Attic at Hornsby RSL Club is perfect for your next special event. Whether it be an afternoon out with the kids or a night out with friends, it will be an unforgettable occasion that will bowl you and your guests over. Visit our website, theattichornsby.com.au for more information. The Attic, proud sponsors of Triple H. Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport Teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. 100% Australian-owned and fully customisable. ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball, netball and hockey as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look the part when representing your community. As Don Rizzuto would say, look sharp and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website, iscsport.com, for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Welcome back to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Welcome back to Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Anthony the Bull Caruso with our special guest, John Viviano from Roseville District Cricket Club and Dave McDonald from the North West Sydney Hurricanes Cricket Club and we're previewing the 2021-22 Sydney Shires Cricket Competition We've just gone through the first five clubs in alphabetical order, and we're going to go on to club number six. It is the Coveys, Lane Cove, and uh, John Viviano. They're a team that retain their reputation as one of the best bowling attacks with the likes of Ravi Ravi, Joe Scarcella, Sam Nichols, and Alex Cornelius. Ah, they do. Great, great bowling attack, um, particularly at home. Uh, they know the areas to hit and they, they've been doing it now for a number of years. And, you know, for a big part of last season, they were sitting top of the ladder and only really fell away when uh, our old mate Norto, their first grade captain, uh, broke his wrist and was out for, for a period of time and uh, before returning um, later in the season. And Maka, even though they've got a very good bowling attack, they do have two very good batsmen, the aforementioned Damian Norton and Greg Hunt, obviously losing Norto through injury. But this is a team that you know they've shown that they can mix it with the best in this competition. No, you're dead right, Bull. Dead right, Bull. But again, Lane Cove historically, oh, of course, of been strong off the back of Norto. You know, he's been so strong with a stick for so long. But totally agree again. Good support with 269 runs from Greg Hunt last year. Listen, it's get, the, the batting is the key for Lane Cove. Again, if they can have some more support around their batting strength, I think we're going to see more from the Coveys this year because, again, that bowling attack, particularly in one-day cricket, I think is going to be uh, quite an issue for some sides this year. Uh, Macca, one of the interesting aspects with Lane Cove, and it's something they'd initially struggled with as they tried to rebuild this club, but we're now starting to see some fruit being picked from this, is they've developed a very good relationship with some of the local private high schools, uh, giving the kids the opportunity to play for the club while they're on school holidays. 
And now those kids are wanting to come back and play for Lane Cove. It's a very smart ploy from the Coveys. No, that's that's perfect. I mean, you've got to tap into whatever junior networks that you can and offer what opportunities you can. It's hard with private schools because they've got their own programs, of course, and, and want kids to go through their own programs. But a great initiative from Lane Cove. And I, I did see a couple of the those young kids in a, in a third grade game last year. A great idea. I think um, it's going to add to their strength. Uh, overall, so good initiative from them. But again, Rome wasn't built in a day, and again, to have those kids coming through to first grade one day would be obviously the ultimate goal, but that'll still be a couple of years away. And indeed, Biv, in the last couple of years, Lane Cove has been the big improvers in terms of their performance in the club championship. They finished second last year. It's their best performance, I think, in 15 years. Yeah, they had uh, great representation in the final series. All four grades were in there. Uh, Top four grades were in there, and uh, um, they were in uh, a couple of grand finals as well in, in, um, I believe, second and third grade. Um, the point I want to make is I actually have them right up there this year. I, I think by Greg Hunt's standard, last year was a pretty poor season. I, I know, Mackie, you mentioned he scored 260-odd runs. Um, the previous year, he was over 550. So I believe that if, if Greg gets it all together with the bat and Nordo is always sitting in around his 350, 400 runs a season, I think they're in for a big year if that bowling unit returns. Yeah, good Good point there, Biv. As you said, um, Greg, again, he only scored 269. I, I said that was that's the next best batsman, of course, for Lane yeah, Cove. Yeah, I'd take that. I'd take and, 269. That'd be a great season for me. I'll, I'll be happy with that over three. Um, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, again, the, the batting's the key for them, isn't it? Uh, if, if, if Hunt scores a few more runs and they get a bit more support from the bat. Again, I'm even going to say they're potential top two. Well, there you are, ladies and gentlemen. The uh, the surprise pack of Lane Cove possibly improving on last year. We'll see how they go with it. Looking forward to see how how that pans out. We then move on to the navy and blue of the Linfield District Cricket Club. And a sort of a middle-of-the-road season for them, Biv, last season, but one that they can take solace with in that they did end up with a premiership. And after a trophy duck that ran 20-plus years, they've now gone two trophies in two seasons. Yeah, winning the second-grade grand final, the uh, Lane Cove, and and winning the Frank Gray two years ago. So, again... The one-day format suits them. A lot of that, um, well, many members from that front successful Frank Gray side were in, in um, first and second grade last year for Linfield. They haven't got any big-name recruits of note, but I know they've got about 15 to 20 new players sort of on their books for this season. Um, so will be interesting. Um, their home ground, Linfield Oval there at Tryon Road, is out of action pre-Christmas. Uh, for many people that have been around the Shires comp, you know, Tryon has never been one of the better decks. Um, so it will be interesting to see um, how they go away from Tryon because they've always been pretty successful on that ground. And it's going to be a, an interesting discussion as well because, and this will be something that will be coming up in the in the the count, local council elections to come. Uh, one of the the president, I think, of the club, Greg Cook, is actually going to be running for Karingai Council. And one of the agenda pieces that could be coming up would be a complete um, a complete revamp of Linfield Oval. Um, you know, it's a great little corner of the world, but 
Oh, I agree with you, Viv. Like, there's oh, a no, lot of work. Well, in- I don't know about a complete revamp, but there's been investment uh, last season for those that played up there. They would have seen a beautiful white picket fence installed around yeah. the ground that certainly gave wonderful ambience as you drove through the memorial gates there. Um, they've just had the um, the roof redone on, on the clubhouse uh, that had been leaking for a number of years. And... Uh, and as I mentioned, the ground's getting an overhaul in terms of uh, drainage, irrigation and, and the square. So I think you'll see that investment has already been made without uh, Greg being successful on getting on the council in, in Gordon Ward. We'll see how, we'll see how that, um, that pans out in that regards. But Maka, this is a club that you know, just seems to tick over rather nicely over the last couple of years. Um, starting to build up. The, the first grade team sort of drop, did drop off a little bit when you had the departure of what we termed the Matt Mee generation. Uh, indeed, Matt Mee himself, an absolute force of nature within this competition. Indeed. They, they just, as you said, they, they came seventh last year. I mean, they they beaten on quotient, really, by Mounties to, to, to get into the sixth. So, again, to say middle of the range, probably a bit harsh. Um, listen, yeah, I... You know, I'm a, bit, a little bit torn on what to expect from Linfield this year. But, um, uh, again, it's great news off the field, though. I, I Again, one of my favourite grounds in Shires is Linfield Oval. Um, but, again, a little bit torn. I think, uh, again, they are a chance to get into that top six this year. But what is the gonna effect of not playing at home going to mean to them in that first part of the year? Absolutely. A tip, quick tip from you, Biv. Well, ninth. Ninth. Did I have George's River as a ninth? I'd better say tenth. There we are. We then move on to Mount Pritchard Southern District. It is Mounties Club. Yeah, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about who's going to be coming in, who's coming out. This seems to happen year after year, Macca. You know, you never know what who's going to be trotting out. Last year ended up being uh, right on the money with Cozzy Beadle and the Jalil brothers moving over. There were talks about the Coits returning along with Wayne Bull and Brad McGuire. Part of me just thinks that, that this is just the usual bluster. I have heard. I've heard exactly the same things already, Bull. Uh, no question. Uh, same names again. I have heard, yeah, again, Wayne Bull and the Coits mentioned again. Uh, again, I'm not going to take anything out of that. Listen, Mounties are always going to give you something, except a change room in a 43-degree day. Um, <laughs> but let's not go there. Um, <laughs> lucky we brought our own pool and we were prepared. Um, they listen, Mounty again, Mounty's always strong. If Cost Beetle's there, you've got to say they're, they're a massive chance. But again, he's just a fine cricketer. Um, so if he's in, I would say Mounties are a definite chance to make the six. Um, and I would just question what else, what is to come. And it's hard to judge. And Biv, really, the, the addition of the Jalil brothers uh, was an absolute boon for, for Mounties. And indeed, Wally Jalil's innings against Warringah pretty much dragged them kicking and screaming into the finals. Yeah, it did, and and an upset win over uh, the Roses as well late in the season off the back of uh, Beetle only playing the second week of that round um, in a two-day game. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they'll be there, thereabouts. I haven't heard much on the on the recruiting front. I did hear that the Jalils may have left Macca and gone to the Hurricanes, but I could uh, be sadly mistaken with that. Um, yeah, I think out of all the clubs, when we were talking about um, sponsorship and things like that, obviously the uh, 
the Mounties Club itself has been shut over the course of the New South Wales and Sydney lockdown. So, you know, whether they're in a position to provide the same level of funding as they have in the past is uh, is unknown at this stage. This club uh, finished middle of the middle of the road in terms of the club championship. Uh, three three of their five grades made finals. I, I'm tipping them to finish around about the the bubble for the finals, but you could you don't know what you're going to get with Mounties. You know they could rock up and beat anyone, and then they could collapse in an absolute heap the next week. That's a fair point. Um, but as I said, if they can produce some of the quality cricketers that they did last year, they'll be a challenge again. I agree. They'll be there and thereabouts. Agreed. We then move on to your club, Macca. It is the Northwest Sydney Hurricanes. We've already heard the news that Sean Cleesby has left for Auburn. It is a very young squad these days now, but the big boon that you've ha- that the Hurricanes have had has been a very promising relationship with the Parramatta 2 Blues. Yeah, no, that's that's been good actually. Bullhan has just had its five five year anniversary. Um, we're just renewing that uh, memorandum of understanding now. In terms of the hurry, well, well, and probably it'd be a good time for me to throw in, you know, only two days ago, the first ever player to come through that pathway and go on to play Sheffield Shield. And in his second Sheffield Shield game, Tim Maud made 144 for Tasmania. So I think everyone at Hurricanes and Parramatta are pretty pretty proud this week. On the North Sydney front, Northwest Sydney front, sorry, there's there is almost zero to report on the player transfer move uh, front uh, now, mainly because we due to COVID, we haven't been able to see who we've got. Now we do have a record number of inquiries, over 200 inquiries to play for the Hurricanes this year, which I think is a record. And we're obviously going to be very hard to fit all those in. But again, I think the one-day format is going to suit the Hurricanes. Um, I know that the Hurricanes have got... uh, There's a couple of recruits from some of the Sunday Indian T20 competitions that some of our players play in and go well in. So they'll be of an unknown quantity. But uh, again, one-day format will suit the Hurricanes. Young side, probably expect them to be around the similar nature of where they were last year. And Biv, the big, the big promising factor for them was that performance in the Frank Gray Shield competition. They finished first in the Sydney Thunder Conference on twenty-seven points, knocked out in the semi-finals. This is a this is a club that's starting to show a bit of promise. Probably that um, you know that fabled five-year plan that Penrith kept harping on about in the rugby league. I don't think it's going to take as long as that, but you certainly see potential there for the Hurricanes. The no, I, I actually see them sneaking into the top six. Really? So I think Macca's, uh, Macca's um, hiding a little bit and uh, being humble. So I, I think they're going to be about six. So I think you got a big name coach, didn't you, Macca, in Simon oh, we, Benning? Uh, we certainly do. No, that's... Uh, and, um... uh, you know, ex-first-class uh, player, and he's been around the coaching scene for, for you know, 10, 20 years. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he can add in terms of his experience and whether... Uh, the Hurricanes can convince him to uh, actually run around for a few games. No, that, well, I can promise that's definitely not happening. Well, as much as I'd love to. Not happening yet. He might get itchy feet. Wouldn't that come under the salary cap, though, sir? It could come under the salary cap. Well, then he won't be playing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, we'll see how that we'll see how they go. But there, there are there. There's the call from Biv. That's probably your big call for this this season. But- Northwest Sydney into the top six. That's a big call. 
That's a big call. I think the guys would be stoked with that. But just probably one player to look out for. Um, young, league, young league spinner Mark Howlett that made his way, I think started in third grade, made his way through the grades to first grade and Frank Gray Shield and got a bag full of wickets. Um, he's only think 19 straight out of park cricket from Borkham Hills Cricket Club to North West Sydney and had a, a great standout season. So I think he's one to watch in ones. Let's move on to the next team. It is the Pennant Hills Pumas. And Biv, we want to talk transfer news. This is the big one. Oh, yeah, AJ Isherwood's been recruited by um, by Pennant Hills. So it will be interesting to see if he's able to convince uh, uh, a couple of his uh, ex-teammates from, from Premier Cricket if, uh, if they join him. Um, if they don't, I think it's a very similar situation to Balmain South Sydney with, with Islam. You know, you need more than one, one player in, uh, in the 50-over format. Um, but you know he's quality, and I'm really pleased for um, not just Pennant Hills, but I'm pleased for the Shires competition. And uh, no disrespect meant to the Pumas, but you know there've been a little bit of a embarrassment to the competition over the last few seasons in first grade, and and obviously last year when Cozzy Beetle decided to go to Mounties, that that uh, weakened them again. And so it's great to see that they've been active in in the recruiting. Uh, market. And Mackie, you and I have called um, AJ Isherwood in the various matches of New South Wales Premier Cricket in the in the two-day, the one-day and the Kingsgrove T20 Cup. Uh, this is a guy who can definitely hold his own with both bat and ball. And last year in particular played a massive role in UNSW reaching the Kingsgrove T20 final. Oh, absolutely, Paul. Now, I've got to admit, when I heard the rumour that he was coming to Shires, I'm like, that can't be true. Um, because he's a quality player and in a first grade player. And when I did hear it, I've got to say, I th- my first thoughts were he's off to Burwood. Um, so I was a little surprised to hear that he went to Pennant Hills, but I think that's just what Pennant Hills need. But as long as they build around him too, it's not just a one-year wonder because otherwise, you know, it's great for the, for the initial results, but what's that going to do for the long-term strength of your club? So that's the key for me. What's he going to bring and what's he, what are they going to build around him is going to be the key for Pennant Hills because I, we want to see Pennant Hills strive. And, and I think they're starting to so, show some signs. There's a little bit more stability in their teams in the lower grades now. And you know, I think the pleasing, most pleasing thing we saw from them, Biv, last year was their fifth grade team making the grand final. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the first time that a Pennant Hills team has made the grand final in any grade in over 15 years. In living memory? Is that what you're trying to say? I'm um, not saying in living memory no. just yet. Right. No. Uh, <laughs> mate, I, I, to be honest, mate, uh, I know Roseville's history to that sort of level. But, yeah, it's a first time in a long time that they were represented in a final series. And and, and to Macca's point, you know, bringing quality player like Isherwood into the fold, um, you don't want it to be for one season. You want him to be able to have a positive impact on on the um, not only on the field but off the field around training and helping develop some of those younger players that they have in the in the lower grades um, to get them to be competitive, you know, across all grades. Because again, they're always in you know for a long time, first, second, third grade, they've always been down the bottom, you know, two or three teams, and and we want to see. For the strength of the overall Shires competition, we want to see the Pumas, um, you know, 
up there and being competitive. Well, hopefully we'll see some positive moves coming through from Penrith Hills. And you know, we know the talent of Isherwood. Let's see if that reflects on the rest of the players. We then move on to... No, the... you're not asking for a prediction. Uh, wow. No, no, because I think we know... Let's be let's be honest. We know that we. I think we all know where we get where they're going to end up. But it is we do. Well, where's that ball? You give us your prediction. I, I'm tipping them bottom three, and I'm I'm still going to say they will be my favourites for the wooden spoon. Bang. <laughs> Having said that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I was just trying to hold my laughter. Sorry, he, he tells it like it is the bull. Yeah. That's okay. We can edit that out anyway. I don't uh, want you to edit that out. That's a great <laughs> prediction. <laughs> Too good, too good. Okay, your predictions then, gentlemen. I think if Isherwood brings one or two of his ex-Premier cricket mates of, of first and second grade quality to the club, I, I think they're going to be, you know, seventh. It, it'll be an interesting call to see who comes across because he does yeah. have a big network. He does have I a would be – I, I just – I just don't believe, whilst he, you know, you know more than I do in terms of you've seen him play last season. He's a quality player. He's still still young enough that he would go to a club and say, I'm the only one because, you know, someone of his ilk would realise he needs to have, you know, one or two other players at least around him to be able to support his efforts. Macca, your prediction? Yeah, oh, listen, again, I agree with, with Biv. If if he brings a couple with him, I'll see them rise. Uh, you know, he's going to play a couple of lone hand innings, I think, yeah. at time to time. Is that going to be enough on its own to pull them up towards that top six? I don't know. They're going to have to. He's going to have to bring a couple with him. Yeah. So at this stage, I'm going to I'm going to pull them off the bottom at least. And if he brings a few more players, you, I agree. Um, you got them. 11th or 12th, do you? Know? At the moment. And if AJ Isherwood brings a few more players, I'll push them higher. Fair comments on both on, on that in that regards. Let's move on to the next club, the Roseville Roses. Biv, it's been a great couple of years for the Roses. They've built themselves up in the, in the first grade competition. I dare say it's going to look to continue, especially with the likes of Dan Lenahan and Matt Gabay continuing <laughs> To ply their trade. Yeah. It, uh, I, you know, this time last year, I predicted them to finish third in the prelim rounds, and that's exactly uh, exactly what they did, right? So um, I think they're going to be there, thereabouts. I, I, like Epping, I think the one-day format supports um, some of these more experienced players that they have. Matt Gabay, Will Blunt, Dan Lenahan. Then you throw in the quality of Shidget at the top of the order and with his handy off-spin, I think... Uh, um, they'll give it a real shake and, and with Benny Maher as skipper leading them once again this season. One one player that I was very happy to see return, uh, he's a very good mate of mine, he's a great all-round bloke, which you'd think would be the last thing you'd hear a Warringah player say about someone from Roseville, but I do, I've do i known him for a very long time. Brent Tansley is a great clubman, a wonderful um, player and a one just a wonderful ambassador on and off the field. Yeah, great club guy. Served uh, served on the committee for a long time as uh, secretary, treasurer, president. Really took an opportunity that was presented to him last year um, in first grade and uh, particularly in the one-day format, performed extremely well, batting between, you know, three to six. Macca, Roseville has been another one of those improved clubs at the in the top flight in the Frank Gray Shield, they're showing signs of competitiveness. The only question mark I've had for them has been their strength in the lower grades and just the depth that they've got. Yeah, probably a fair point, Paul. I, although I know we didn't get to play them 
in third grade last year. Probably a good point. I'd, again, Ro, you know, I trust that Roseville will bring will will rectify that. But um, uh, again, I think in terms of the first grade side, they've been a side that uh, have been together for a while now, uh, familiar with each other. Uh, I think they're definite top six material, but. Um, yeah, probably yeah. Concern about probably third and fourth grade last year, but again, I can't. That's not something that happens every year with Roseville, so not a great concern to be honest, Paul. Um, I don't know what are your thoughts there, Biv. Oh, well, certainly in the hunt for the finals in fourth grade, and had yep. an unfortunate second week washout against Mounties, and and that took the momentum away. A number of new players joined the club last year. Obviously, our pathway agreement with with North Sydney. Um, and we've had some good representation. That's probably the biggest challenge for us in the lower grades is um, it's very difficult to build a core um, yes. based on that pathway with North Sydney. And, and so you don't get the consistency of the lineup week in, week out. And that can be a little bit of a challenge. But, but I'm confident uh, that we'll see good improvement in, across all, all grades, um, including second grade uh, this year. The point you made, Bull, around um, the Frank Grays being very competitive under the leadership of Henry Evans over the last couple of years, um, and he he played an important role in first grade last year as an all-rounder, and then Paddy Gould takes over the helm this year to captain that side, and he's been the VC for a number of years, and, and he took the gloves in first grade last year. So, um, you know, whilst we talk about the experience, there's also some good youth um, in that first grade lineup, and I think it's a youth that will um, be the high performers this year coming for Roseville. I see the Roses finishing in around that top six again, third place. I, I, I'm not quite sure. I imagine if you'll back the boys in, but certainly I'm not discounting Roseville from a top six finish. Oh, mate, I think they're going to go better than last year at the end of the prelim rounds, and uh, I think they might win it this season. There's the call, another one there, Macca. Your thoughts? Well, listen, he called it last year and he got it right. So, I mean, you can't be too harsh on him. This is true. Um, and he is El, he's the boss. Um, <laughs> no, mate, I'm just the patron now. <laughs> the patron saint. <laughs> That's it. The listen, Godfather. God, oh, you are of Roseville, there's no question. Uh, listen, I think Roseville will definitely be top six again. I like Roseville. I actually like Roseville Chase very much too. Um, I think, um, yeah, I think they'll definitely be uh, fourth or fifth this year. Again, it's it's really hard to put positions, guys, because of the one-day nature. But, again, Roseville will continue um, their successful run, and I think they'll be semi-finalists. We then move on to the second-last team in alphabetical order. It is the Strathfield Gorillas. And, uh, you know, the last a couple of years ago, they really knocked on the door of a premiership um win in first grade, unlucky to go down to Auburn due to what happened with COVID. But, mm. you know, this, the last couple of years, they've retained Viv, one of the best batting lineups in the competition, headed up by Paul Donovan, Sam Wadden and Sean Reynolds. But geez, their bowling is a massive issue for them. Yeah, but I've heard that Sabosh is returning from the experience he's probably mid-30s now, but he's returning from Balmain, South Sydney to them. And he was in the um, probably in the top 10 bowlers last season in the competition. So that will certainly strengthen their bowling. Will it be enough for them, though? Oh, look, I, uh, 
you know, they've got some quality players. They again, they they were on equal equal points at the end of the prelim rounds at the end of the season. So they they were basically one win away uh, from from being in the finals. So I, I think they're going to potentially sneak in um, to. Mate, I think I've got about eight teams sneak. Edge your bets. Edge your bets indeed. Strathfield. Macca has been another club that's often struggled for depth. Only their third grade team has been solid, but this is a t- that's a team that's been together forever and a day and headed up by wine connoisseur and third grade tragic Ben Maloof. Yes, uh, yeah, funny. We uh, Northwest, we had to beat them in the last round to get through into the semifinals or into the qualifying finals last year, and they did the job. Um, yeah, again, they've got, uh, I think, a core group of guys in that side. But, again, we look at Strathfield. Uh, I totally agree with both your comments. The bowling side of it, they need to strengthen up. Only took 80 wickets last year. We know Aries, again, beautiful batting deck on its day. Um, they're just going to, again, they're just going to need that support. If they can, uh, again, if they can strengthen their bowling a little bit, uh, again, they'll be dangerous. Again, eight, they finished eighth. On 36 points. Mount is, of course, six on 36 points. Yeah. So there and thereabouts, don't be surprised to, to see them in that top six this year. Yeah, I, I see them there or thereabouts again. And really, that log jam for that top six was for all to see. And it only takes even just a, a couple of bonus points in the cup in the season to get yeah, you, to get yourself exactly. over the line. Let's go to the last team in alphabetical order. It is the Men in Green, the Warringah Cricket Club. And one of the other clubs, Biv, that has been quite busy during the off-season. Ah, they have. It's been reported that uh, Craig Rupert might possibly be returning and and the like. So, you know, is Sahar coming back? Yes, he is. Well, you know, he was the leading run scorer in the competition um, and he played probably the first couple of rounds in in second grade uh, where he, he compiled 100 there as well. So... He had close on a 700-run season across um, first and second grade. Um, good player, good top-order bat, and uh, if he's there, I think uh, it holds him in good stead. The other transfers to mention as well, Macca, and ones you'll know quite well, Tristan Raja has announced his full-time retirement following the, the birth of his uh, his little one, uh, but they can confirm the return of the Moffat brothers, Tully and Jesse Moffat. Yes, I have heard that. Probably from you, actually. But uh, no, yeah, no, that's a shame about Trish. And of course, he's been a um, very um, you know, good leader for you guys uh, over the last few years coming through the club. But, uh, you know, that'll teach him. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would have thought it would have taught me. And then I went and made the but, same mistake again. Well, your wife's smarter. She knows to get you out of the house on a weekend. Yeah, this is true. This is true. The the addition of the Moffat brothers, though, of course, they a couple of years ago played a key role in Warringah mm. winning that Frank Gray Premiership, um, blunting that Burwood attack on a very green um, Rothwell Park. These mm. two are very handy with both bat and ball. Yeah, and suited to the one day format, Bull. So um, really good additions if they're they're playing the entire season. I think uh, that will be the nucleus to see improvement on the ladder for. For the green men, the one, the other one, I should announce. Dave Brady has announced his full time retirement as well. Um, so we are seeing a very, very young team. I think, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there's a single player under the age of thirty in that first grade lineup. 
So the only thing I question is going to be the experience at the top. Oh, the only thing I question is how hungover they'll be on Saturday <laughs> after being locked down for four months and, <laughs> and living on the beaches. So if they sort that out, they should be uh, very competitive. The, the, the other strength macker for this club has been their depth. Um, they had second, third, fourth grade and Frank Gray Shield all make the finals. Should be mentioned as well, their Metro Cup team made the, the finals as well. Um, for a few years, I have struggled in that first grade competition, which has meant that they have dropped down in the club championship, but certainly three premierships last year, nothing to scream at. Oh, I mean, you guys, you know, I, I've watched you guys over 30 years. You go in, I mean, like every club, go in cycles. Um, now, obviously, with your pathway program that, again, I know John and myself both mirrored um, our pathway programs off, the, the amount of kids that come through your club, but the quality, particularly in th- in the lower grades. You know, there was a couple of bowlers and bats there that I played against in threes for you guys last year that you, you just go straight away. Well, I don't think you'll be here next year, young fellow, or you'll be playing ones. Um, some just real quality kids. But, of course, as you know, they don't last very long because they, they, they're off the road, off down the road to the Waratahs. Sorry, mate. There was one player in particular I can mention to that is young Josh Lawson, who played fourth grade uh, for Warringah last year, took five in the grand final. And Biv, you know the fourth grade captain, Lloyd Andrew, um, coming up to me during the middle of the uh, the one of Lawson's stints and saying to me very cursely, um, you're not, you guys aren't going to have him at the club uh, in fourth grade shies next year. And I basically responded with, mate, we're not going to have him at the club next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Macca makes a good point about the pathway. It, it can be a positive. It brings um, young players into, into your setups and they perform well and then, then they get lost with their ambitions to play Premier Cricket. And that's what the pathways are all about. So, um, yeah, you know, uh, you take the good and the bad um, from those relationships. But I, I just think Warringah as a club, again, um, well-administered, off the field, always competitive in the lower grades, being the Frank Gray Premiers um, last season, um, holds them in, in really good stead, I think, going into this season. And with the return of the Moffat brothers, expect significant improvement on the yeah. ladder. Indeed. I, I see them joining that that battle for the top six, that logjam just getting that bit bigger. Yeah, I, I better leave it. them just out of the top six because I think I've got too many in my top six. So you're yeah. right, Bull. I agree with you. Ten doesn't go into six, unfortunately, does it? No, it doesn't. But it shows how tight that first grade competition is starting to become. Well, ladies and gentlemen, with that, that is time here on Splinters. I What an episode it's been. We can't wait for the season to start. I want to thank our guests here. First off, John Viviano, all the best with the Shire Subcommittee, the SCA, and for Roseville District Cricket Club. Thank you, Bull. Always fun to be here. Macca, a pleasure, and I'm sure we're going to see you as well around the traps, calling games in New South Wales Premier Cricket, and all the best to Northwest Sydney. Thank you very much. Uh, look forward to playing Warringah again this year and, and Roseville, but uh, again, a big season coming up, and uh, we can't wait. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you around the... Premier Cricket Traps, uh, but uh, best of luck to all the clubs, all the administrators. We're really excited to be back, finally getting out on the park very shortly. Oh, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com. 
Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. Of course, we do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, the Hornsby Karingai Post, the Hornsby RSL, and ISC Sport. On behalf of John Biaviano and Dave McDonald, I'm Anthony Caruso. Run hard or run home. Good night. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites.